Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Yeah. Paul Winkler, Investor Coaching Show. I work Evan Partner. Okay. So there was a torrent, a torrent of cash that went into money market accounts. Now, of course, when did it probably go into money market accounts? Let's just let's just talk about that for a second. January, February, March. I think probably. Yeah, it could be. I think you know, maybe a little later. I don't know. I think there was a lot of money that flowed in later in the year, but yeah, maybe. Maybe. Into cash? Yeah, I was just thinking, how long did it take before the interest rates actually got, jumped up there to some oh, extent? Yeah. It, it was a little while before the interest rates got high enough where you know people went, Uncle, I'm jumping in. But you know, I, it's, I would say it was the middle of the year. That's what, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe somewhere yeah. there, but I don't know. I don't know. We're just it's just conjecture because they didn't say in the article. But you know, you look at the last couple of months. Yeah. I, I decided to just take a look at that just for the fun of it. I mean, the whole year, you know, you had a, a pretty pretty uh, phenomenal market for pretty the whole robust, year. robust, yeah. You, you know, you look at, oh man, it was a couple months ago and you had about, as I recall, it, maybe it was small cap stocks were up like 3%. Something like that, three or four. Yeah, it wasn't much since that point. And we're just going from, just from October or November 1st, excuse me, mm-hmm. November 1st through December. Okay. About 21% return. Wow. For microcap stocks, 21% return. I mean, it's literally four two, years. Two two or three years five, worth of return in five, two months. Five, six years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Maybe, well, you know, if you look at the money market accounts paying, you know, three oh, to 4%, sure. yes. you're looking at maybe five years of returns in, inside of a, of a two-month period. Right. Uh, yeah, it's like, wow. And you don't know. It, it, they can go down. They can fluctuate, but they can right. go up. I mean, it's yeah. just like that's the way it works. But small value stocks up about 21%, uh, small caps up about 20%. Uh, and then you had international small was the next highest asset category, about 17. Uh, value, large value stocks was the next highest asset category, 17, uh, just just slightly under international small. And then large international comes in right after that. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you drop all the way down, and then it's S&P 500. But if you look at what I thought was really interesting, because – we were talking about this at home and just blabbing about, you know, what happened under <laughs> Trump versus under Biden. Uh-huh. You know, and yeah. we, and we often talk about how it, like larger companies, there's this railing against larger companies because mm-hmm. the media and the information that people get as a society, we get a lot of our information and it's regulated or channeled through these larger companies, mm-hmm. right? The Apples, the Microsofts, the right, yeah, and you know those those types of tech tech companies. And but you look at it under Trump, those companies did really really well. I, you know, from a stock market return mm-hmm. standpoint. Uh, you know, just to give you an idea, is the S&P 500 from January of 2017 through uh, 2020, December of 2020, Trump's last year mm-hmm. in office, you had a 16% per year return. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty stout. Yep. You know, during that period of time. Next closest a- asset category was emerging markets at about 13%. So that's that's pretty doggone good. Yeah. But, you know, from when the election was certified for Biden, mm-hmm. 
which was November 9th of 2020 mm-hmm. through December 29 of 2023. S&P 500 return wasn't bad. I mean, it was about 42% return. But Total. Yeah, yeah. Total return. Yeah, not annualized. Not annual average, average annual return. Mm-hmm. Total return. Total accumulation. But it, it kind of floored me that small cap value stocks were 95% return. Yeah. 95% return. Uh, next closest asset category was uh, was microcap. Now, the reason I think that's interesting, um, how many times have you guys going through somebody's 401k, looking at the asset mix choices, see a really good small value stock fund as a choice that they can have access to? About could, one in 20 for me. I can count that on no hands. <laughs> I can count that on no hands. I know. It's, it's almost non-existent. It's almost non It's almost non-existent. You don't. You don't ever see those asset categories, uh, even international value. When's the last time you saw an international value? Because that was the third highest returning asset category. Yeah, I think the state plan actually had international value for. A you know, long time. I think you're right. I think it might, might have had. Yeah. But outside of that, That's I can't. Th- yeah. I can't think of anything else outside of that. Yeah. And and that was uh, that was about a uh, about a sixty percent return over that over that period of time so far. Yeah. You know, under, you know, and, and, you know, the point that I make here is that so often what we think is that, well, gee, you know, Republicans get, and they did. Yes. Yeah. Petrified about what was going to happen under Biden. And my son and I were going back and forth about this today because he was just talking about how, you know, gosh, you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. I said, well, part of the reason it doesn't matter is because companies will adapt. Yeah. Well, that's right. Because... This, you know, the job of the CEO is to create shareholder value. So it doesn't matter what president is in office or the House or the Senate uh, and the laws that they create. The owners of the businesses have to figure out a way to create value for the shareholders through profits. So they just make changes to the company to stay within the laws or just kind of skirt right on the laws. But, <laughs> or you look back when Obama was president, mm-hmm. you had huge unemployment. Yeah. I mean, it was major unemployment because companies basically laid off a lot of their expenses. Right. And, you know, that's what companies will do. And, the, and you know, and the CEOs adapt, but at the same time, regardless of which party is in power, there is a certain amount of consumption that is going to go on. Yes. Whether they adapt or not. You know, if my tires go bald, I'm not going to wait to the next election to replace my tires. <laughs> yes. If the washing machine, you know, ruins the floor and busts a hose or whatever, you know, Cindy's not going to accept, okay, well, if Trump gets reelected, we'll get a new washing machine. You know, I mean, it's just, okay, you go get a new washing machine. Right. Right. And so a lot of that activity continues regardless of the politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm not going to wait until somebody gets late yeah. to go fill up my gas tank, right. you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when you were, when you were talking about the returns um, since uh, the, the election was certified for mm-hmm. Biden. Yeah. And the, I th- and the reason say- I like that, use, I like yeah. to use that date is simply just because of the fact that markets will respond before somebody gets in office to yeah. what they think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so that's why I use that to make sure yeah. that people understood that I wasn't cherry picking dates. And I think you said it was a total return of about 45 for the S&P. Was that the number? Uh, it's, it's about 42. 42. So, you know, this year it was 24. So almost, you know, over half of that return for the three years <laughs> plus was this year. And people were sitting in cash for that <laughs> sure. return. So just because the S&P did that doesn't mean people did that. Well, that's a really good point. And we talked about it, I think, last week, two weeks ago, $20 billion poured into the S&P, you know, a record day for the mm. SPY. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after it's yeah. come up 20%. I mean, it's just, that's that's why we educate people. That's why your show exists. Our show. And the thing that you think about regarding that is a lot of that money flowing in wasn't just because of novice investors. A lot of it yeah. were financial advisors driving people to put money in yep. or get back in, quote unquote. And it is market timing by the investing community, period. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's a lot. That's It's a very, very high percentage. I don't remember what the percentage is of people that actually have their money managed quote unquote professionally, I say quote unquote. Right. Because I you know, sometimes I just shake my head at some of the things that people in the investing industry do. But that is case in point. Now, one of the things you're hearing talk about right now is the level of pricing of the S P five hundred after a good year in the S P in general. Now, in general, the S P has had a really good year. And yeah, and I hear people say, oh, it's overvalued now. It's overpriced now. It's, you know, and I go, I don't know. I can't, I can't make that prediction. But yeah, it is selling for a higher price than historically normal. You know, normal is about $16, but it's, you know, 18 uh, Some estimates say up about $20 time for every dollar of earnings. But the thing that, that we still remains to be seen is how much AI is going to affect the profitability and how much yeah. AI is going to be continuously implemented over the next calendar year, which is helping productivity significantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that in so many different ways where people are able to do things. You know, it was, it was that article I was talking about a little while ago where it was talking, it was from The Economist, and it was talking about how the blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. And how they have significantly benefited from AI and that their incomes have come up. And part of the reason is because they can be more productive because some of these tasks that were more challenging for them mm-hmm. in the past and challenging for everybody, because basically it's the automation of the thinking processes to some extent. Yeah. And it's just going to get better and better. You know, so. I can, you don't know how that's going to affect profitability going forward. So, Because the problem is what you're looking at when you're looking at P-E ratios, you were looking at a static number. You're looking at one year's worth of earnings. Even if you're looking at forward earnings, you're only looking at one year of forward earnings. And when you're buying a company, you're not buying just next year's earnings. You're buying the year after that, then the year yeah. after that, year after that, right? Yeah, and uh, you know we talk a lot. You know, when we're analyzing portfolios or looking at, you know, the S&P 500 as a category and the index is cap weighted, meaning, you know, you allocate more of the stock to those big, huge companies, that also affects the average PE for the S&P 500. And so, you know, chances are if you start to break that down 
a lot of the other members of the S&P 500 that aren't, you know, the Magnificent Seven or whatever right. the term is this, right. yeah, this year. Right, Magnificent Seven, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they may not be anywhere near 18 to 1. That is so true. Well, if you look at some other asset categories, well, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, emerging markets, value stocks, uh, what we use in that, that, that area of the market, seven and a half, seven dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. Uh, you've got U.S. value stocks are at ten dollars. Versus yeah. twenty for the yeah. S and P, uh, so you know you take that number, and you go, well, what does that mean? If I take one divided by by twenty, that's five percent. That's the earnings yield. That's what that's called. If you take one over ten, it's ten percent. It's double the earnings yield for the S and P five of the S and P five hundred to look at value stocks, and it's well more than that. If you look at small value stocks, they're sitting at eight dollars and ninety one cents. Yeah. That's more than a 10% earnings yield, about 12% earnings yield right there. So you look at these other areas of the market, as Evan is saying, a lot of other areas of the market are not, and that's why you want these asset classes held separately. The problem with the S&P 500 is that the Magnificent Seven, when you put your money in an S&P 500 fund or a total market fund, like you'll see like companies like Vanguard and Fidelity have, what you end up with is an overabundance of your money going toward these very, very big companies. He's right. There are a lot of S&P 500 companies that are selling for a much, much lower multiple. Yeah. Much lower multiple. But very little of your money's there. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're not going <laughs> to yeah. benefit if they, be, if they go up in value. They're not going to benefit nearly as much for that reason. So that's, that's the problem. That's why diversification is, uh, you know, you, you typically don't, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have total market funds. And that's what you'll typically see in a lot of these target date funds. The Magnificent Seven make up 29% of the S&P 500. So just if, if the, think of that seven companies almost out a third. of 500 companies. So basically, if the bottom 20, 250 companies went up, but those seven went down, mm-hmm. the whole index goes down. <laughs> yeah, you sure could. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how much one goes up versus right. the other goes down. Yeah, absolutely. But those seven, those seven companies basically control the index or a big part of the movement of of the the index. That's a great point, Ira. Hey guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners, too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. Okay, you guys. You got a pass for 2024. Ira, Evan, everybody out there listening. Paul Winkler, Investor Coaching Show, paulwinkler.com is the website. So uh, for happiness in the new year. All right, lay it on us. Stop doing everything. Just quit. Just quit all your doing stuff. Will you still pay me? (laughs) 
I'm leaving right now. Well, this is, this well, is not a guess. socialist firm, Ira. It says stop. It didn't stop doing anything. It says stop doing everything. Oh. But this is all I do. <laughs> Each new year, we pledge to transform our bodies, improve our careers, organize our homes, develop new hobbies. Improve we dedicate ourselves. Our, our careers, oh, not careers. years. We dedicate ourselves to doing more, more exercise, more work, more activities, social engagements, and it's face... Striving for more sounds good, but it's got a dark side. Uh-oh. Overworking, overachieving, overthinking, overexplaining, overgiving, overcommitting, and overaccommodating. I look at that. So a lot of that stuff comes from people-pleasing. You know, I'm just trying to impress people. Trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, to, you know, make sure I take care of everybody. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a big trap for a lot of people. It sure is. We engage in the overs to create psychological safety, though, as well. I can see that. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you engage in compensatory behaviors designed to alleviate your fear. You know, I think I'm just, and you think about that, you grow up with that. If you ever grow up with a lack, you know, it's, it's where you don't know if you're going to get the Converse sneakers. That was mine. <laughs> oh. You don't know if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be able to make it. Or you don't know because, you know, a lot of times people do grow up in precarious, you know, where they, they don't know if they're going to have a meal. They don't know if they're going to have, you know, parents have struggled paying right. the mortgage or they struggle paying for things. And and then what they end up doing is just going, well, gosh, I don't know when the gravy train's going to end. Yeah. Just got to work, 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 work. And then, you know, I've had people that they get to retirement and you if they're loath to spend any of the money. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I can't remember if this story came out of World War II or what. You may remember it from from mm-hmm. some of your master stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I want to say it was either like war orphans or something, and they couldn't get them to eat, and you know, like they'd give them a bread or something like that, and they wouldn't eat it. They'd just hold on to it, and they started. It was interesting. They started heating potatoes. Mm-hmm. And putting it at the foot of their bed under the covers. And so it served two purposes. It was heating their feet. Yeah. yeah. But they had food there. And they knew that they already had something. And they started like eating the bread or whatever they had fed them. It was really interesting interesting. that they they didn't want to turn loose of what, kind of like you were saying, they thought, well, that's maybe is our last meal. And so they... Well, it is. It's a challenge to get people to spend in retirement, you know, for that reason. They said, consider overachieving the unrelenting drive for high performance. The conventional wisdom is that striving to be one's best is a form of resilience. And it says, but, you know, psychology found no relationship between actual performance and perfectionism, typical of overachievers. But, you know, you look at that and go, well, you know, shoot for the stars and hit the moon is better than shooting for the moon and hitting a rock. Uh, You know, you want to shoot for excellence. I read that when I was like seven years old. I I remember it. It was in a little book that I had. But, you know, the thing is, is that I look at it as just shooting for excellence. You know, perfectionism isn't attainable. So forget that. But they did have a couple interesting things. Vanderbilt had a study where they reported in 2012 that overachievers had higher levels of dopamine. And, uh, you know, that's motivation and addiction. So there can be an addiction with overachieving and, and getting out and, and uh, sure. really working toward perfectionism. Uh, but overthinking worked. We'd, it would allow us to solve more problems. But we actually find that overthinking leads to poorer decision making, they found in research. It's uh, greater interpersonal problems and more distress. You know, so, so often what we do is we try to overthink a problem. And then what we do is we think ourselves into 
Yes. Uh, is a state of maybe not even doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a paralysis analysis, right? Analysis yep. by paralysis. Um, or paralysis, paralysis by, by analysis. analysis. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Get that straight. Um, but, you know, they're talking about a couple things to do is making sure that in the in the coming year that what you don't you don't want to overfunction you, you don't want to uh, get to a point where you're trying to overachieve because it causes so many problems but they said that so much about changing habits from the year based on conventional wisdom and you need to do more to be better growth is desirable but we often say that we're after growth but the truth is we're running from fear and I think it's a good thing to keep in mind for the new year. Sure. Is, you know, why do we overachieve? What are we trying to accomplish? And maybe there is a point where enough is enough and maybe we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.